Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, what is up, fellow Tech-Tember sailors? Hope your seas are Wait, smooth. Tech-Tember. Tech-Vember. Tech there we go. What's up, uh, Tech-Vember <laughs> crusaders? How's it going? Wolf. Welcome to the Waveform Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today's episode, we have like a, a whole lot of EV news. We've got some announcements, some disasters, some just pure head scratchers. Uh, we kind of have it all. And then Apple officially announcing some right to repair steps they're taking, which kind of blew all of our heads off. This really morning. interesting. Yeah. yeah. But 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 first, Marquez is big mad. <laughs> Why are you mad, Marquez? I am. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm mad as much as I'm just a little bit uh, confused. I don't okay. know. I just so okay. We got the news this week that Staples Center, mm -hmm. the iconic. You know, middle of L.A., arena, hosts the Lakers and the Clippers, and I'm sure like four or five other teams will be rebranded, I believe starting next year, okay. as Crypto.com Arena. So this Crypto.com company inked a deal. They'll be the, the name of the arena for the next 20 years. And I was like, I was looking it up. I was like, wow, that's a that's a long time. Obviously, Staples Center is probably one of the most iconic in the States. Mm -hmm. And uh I was so curious how much that cost, and it's $700 million. The only reason I'm confused is like, I don't know, crypto.com doesn't seem like a great name for an arena. It's the crypto.com uh, arena. Yeah, like in terms of just catchiness and rolling off the tongue, Staples Center is way easier, way more iconic. I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned it's, it's built to the iconicness of yeah, it. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I was like, here's my slightly lukewarm take. All arena names are pretty bad. Mm -hmm. But we've gotten used to them over time because we say them so often. Like I've seen, I've pulled up right now just a list of a bunch of them in the U.S. just for NBA teams. The Milwaukee Bucks play at Pfizer Forum. Uh, <laughs> Pfizer Pfizer Forum. Forum. Uh, we've got Smoothie King Arena. That's terrible. in the NBA. That is we've awful. got the Cavs play at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Like nobody really wants to say the company names out loud, no. but. Staples is a company and they've paid for yeah. their name to be on the side of the arena and tons of memories have been made with iconic Lakers teams, especially in Staples Center. And I still think people are going to call it Staples Center That's after the, the funny fact, thing. but there is going to be like, you know, there's a, I think someone's already tweeted like a render of like that helicopter shot at the beginning mm -hmm. of an NBA broadcast where like it, it's going to be on the, on the front, on the top, on the sides. Like I, I was saying, I went to crypto.com today for the first time ever. I didn't know about them. So it's yeah. working, and I'm kind of surprised this is the first crypto company because I bet a lot of them have $700 million. This is the first time we've mm -hmm. seen a crypto company put their name on an arena like this. Yeah, I was kind of talking to David about how crypto.com, we didn't know it was a website, and I think it's one of those sites that suffers from having too good of a domain name. It's like too general. It's too broad. That crypto.com just feels like too easy. Like it doesn't 
it's not catchy. It's Cri- good. I guess it's only it's it feels generic, but it's kind of what they are. It's like they're a crypto wallet and a crypto trading service. Like Coinbase is kind of yeah, similar, but, but it's a, a but little Coinbase more specific. is like a unique name. It's a little yeah. more specific. Yeah. Crypto is just now this all encompassing internet currency that they just like crypto.com just feels and you yeah. have to put dot com because if it was just crypto arena. That sounds better, but that's not going to send anybody to your website, right? Which is the biggest issue in terms of, like, advertising it, which is what they're paying for. I think they won the SEO battle. I just, yeah, yeah. it's a weird name. Also, here, one of my favorite hot takes was like a lot of URLs aren't around for a very long time; like they expire. Companies are born and die quickly. Do we think Crypto.com will still work in twenty years? I can only <laughs> and I imagine. I don't, you know, crypto's pretty young. We'll see. But this is a, that's, I'm not mad. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. a little thrown off by that. I think crypto will be around there, whether crypto.com is one of the places doing it in 20 years. Although I'm Mm -hmm. sure all these places try and lock up something so long to get somewhat of a discount. And then, oh, yeah. Who break? I'm sure plenty of people break contracts at a certain point if it goes defunct. I wonder if they pay in advance the 700 million or if they pay it like every year they exist or if they'll be in debt. Who knows? I don't know how these yeah, deals work. I don't know how it works. I, I think the biggest thing here that you mentioned was that it is still the same building, which people just have known as the Staples Center for so long. Like I've seen NHL arenas switch, but it's usually when a building goes down and becomes a whole new arena that it's much one. easier because you're yeah. not referencing specifically that Staples Center will be called Staples Center for the rest of its life until it's a new arena. Yeah, until everyone who who knew about Staples Center is dead. <laughs> uh Apple right to repair. We got to talk about this. This one caught us by surprise this morning. It definitely did. I I am fascinated by this and I've been, as we record this, which is on a Wednesday, which, you know, you listen to the podcast on Friday, I've been sort of organizing my thoughts into a potential video so that may be up by the time you see this. Um, But yeah, we can sort of summarize the announcement and then our thoughts about it. So we get this Apple newsroom press release titled Apple announces self-service repair program, which is, well, Okay, Apple's notoriously been against right to repair. So what is this program? So Apple will allow customers, like you and me, customers, who are comfortable with completing their own repairs, access to Apple genuine parts and tools. Available first to iPhone 12 and iPhone 13 lineups and soon to be followed by Mac computers featuring M1 chips. And self-service repair will be available early next year in the U.S. and then expand to additional countries throughout 2022. Um... The initial phase of the program will mostly be focused on commonly serviced modules, such as iPhone's display, battery, and camera. The ability Mm -hmm. for additional repairs will be available later next year. So it goes on to explain all these different details, but there's a lot in those first two paragraphs there that is quickly being digested, but I want to go through each of them because I think there's a lot. Yeah. First of all, we did a video already on right to repair. If you haven't seen it, I recommend watching it. I'm pretty biased, but I think it's pretty good. It is, we have yeah. some interviews. We talked to Lewis Rossman. We have a, a whole breakdown on a bunch of different companies, including Apple. But Apple's one of the biggest companies in the world, one of the most uh, influential, consumer-facing. Mm-hmm. So when Apple changes a stance and makes a pro-right-to-repair move like this, not only is it big for Apple, but it's big for the ripples it sends through the industry. Sure. So the first detail is they're starting with iPhone 12 and iPhone 13 lineups soon to be followed by M1 Max. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who are probably hoping to get repairs done are probably on older iPhones and yeah, older Macs. Sure. Fine. I imagine those were not built with uh, commonly accessed repairs by normal people in mind. Yeah, not in mind. Not that they couldn't be done, but 
clearly not when Apple was thinking of doing this. Because this yeah. has clearly been something they've thought of doing for a little bit, which is yeah. probably showing in the internals. Of yeah, to me, this says we've been thinking about this since at least iPhone 12 yep. and M1 Max. So that's good. Um, and actually, if you look at some of the teardowns of like this 16-inch MacBook Pro yeah. or the 14-inch, they look a little more friendly, at least for battery repairs. There's like tabs under the batteries now, and there's a couple less screws involved to get in, yeah. which is nice. I mean, we opened our first, in that right to repair video, we opened an iPhone 12, I believe it was, right. which is the first iPhone I've ever opened. And, and opening that on the inside felt like a render. It was just so neat and everything. And I mean, I've only opened up a couple phones. None of them I've successfully repaired, so I'm not claiming to be an expert here. But like that internal looked like, almost inviting, almost like it would be fun to play with. Yeah, and I mean, you gotta know what you're getting yourself into. For sure. So, so basically what's happening is individuals like you and me, paying customers, are being added to the group of people, including uh, repair shops, that have access to these documents and parts. Mm -hmm. So if your screen breaks, for example, on your phone, you have the choice to go to an Apple store and have them repair it, however much that costs, or to go to an independent repair shop and mm -hmm. have them repair it, however much that costs. Or your new option is go look online at the guides yourself and decide you wanna do it yourself, order those parts and the guides straight from Apple, repair it yourself, send the parts back to Apple, maybe even get a little bit of credit, I believe, back on your account for the stuff you send back for them to recycle. Yeah, that's what they said. And uh, then you did it yourself on your own time, mm -hmm. on your own dime, which is a very new option. It is, and it does say in there that they provide some sort of a, a like service ma a repair kit manual that I think they want you to read first and and decide if you're comfortable doing this before yeah. you enter in for the the parts, like get the parts mailed to you and to actually do it yourself. Yeah. Um, and like you said, there it does say that they're offering some sort of credit for returning the parts. Now, I'm assuming that means tools that they send. I'm assuming it means any parts that you replace so that they can properly recycle them. Yeah. And that's great because Apple has been this company that is talked a lot about the environment lately, but it always felt super hypocritical when you're so stingent on right to repair and reusing phones and refurbishing phones and, and basically using phones as long as possible and yeah. buying new products because that's kind of the worst thing that can happen. Like, cool, your boxes are half the size and you don't include a charging brick anymore, but really the phones being able to use as long as possible and recycling them is what's right. the biggest impact we can see. Yeah. So overall, I think a good change on the surface, but mm -hmm. there's still more details, right? So um, the other thing I want to look at, the initial phase of the program will focus on the most commonly serviced modules, such as the iPhone's display, battery, and camera. Yeah. Now, on one hand, that's most iPhone repairs. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like screen and battery are probably top one easy, and two, right? Easy. I bet that's like almost 80% of repairs. Yeah. So that makes sense yeah, in theory. Yeah, for sure. But this also, like if you talk to Lewis Rossman, which we did in our video, or if you ask independent repair shops, like what their biggest problem with the program is, a lot of them will say like, they're so strict about what you actually have certified access to repair versus all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, ports, buttons, storage, storage, face ID, notoriously, if you repaired or if you replaced uh, a display with a non-Apple a genuine part. Yeah, and they it was the like, old Touch ID too. Yeah, they would disable Face ID or mm -hmm. Touch ID. They recently rectified that, which is nice. But like now, if you want to replace, like your port gets loose or water damaged or something, you just want to replace that. That's not one of the things covered by Apple. They yeah. don't have manuals or parts or anything for that. You're still got to go back to the Apple store in Apple's world. 
So that hasn't really changed. Um, so again, I think it's great that if my display cracks or if my battery is getting old, I can do that myself. But that's a that's a pretty important note, which is like this isn't changing for independent repair shops. It's still true. Yeah, and, and like I think there's clearly an optimistic side of reading this and a pessimistic side of reading this. And Easily. I think taking a little from both is really good. Like if we're talking pure optimism, like this is a step in the right direction. The fact that Apple's even even using the term like repairability and stuff like that is just yeah. huge and something. Like I said, none of us expected. We came in this morning. We we're going to record the I podcast. Thought it was April Fool's. Yeah, this article <laughs> pops up. And we're like, okay, this is now the number one thing we're talking about today. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. The pessimistic side is this still feels a little bit like this is a small first step because how many people in the the world of one of the most popular phones in the U.S. at least how many of those people want to make these repairs themselves? And that's essentially what this is opening up. That is yeah. very, very little. But that's always been the argument. So the fact that the step happened at all is really interesting. Yeah. And it, I think the, I, th I was just gonna say the question I had right away was, okay, why is Apple doing this? Like they didn't have to, they mm -hmm. never looked like they were going to. So why are they suddenly doing this? And, uh, you know, David made a lot of good points about all the impending legislation yeah. around right to repair, the presidential order. There's some local orders in New York, uh, a lot of stuff in Europe happening where it like seems like there's a lot of momentum behind the movement. Yeah, for sure. And Apple's squarely in the middle of that like target. Mm -hmm. Like they're the notorious ones everyone mentions. So yeah. they're kind of getting out ahead of that a little bit by saying, look, we exactly. let you, we let you repair phones. We give you the genuine parts, but- we're not going to let you do too much. I think it's pretty clear this is a, like you said, a step ahead. This is not listening to the customers. This is uh Yeah, it's not a pure. Their, this is purely <laughs> Apple focused. It's not sure. Tim Cook going, oh, you'd like to repair things? <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, sure. This, this is the first time I'm hearing that. Yeah. We should do that. What great feedback you have. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I think it's a lot of that. But it's also, and I think I'll make this point near the end of the video, is like, it's a great headline it's great pr yeah for apple to have a right to repair positive headline which goes back into the whole like getting ahead of legislation thing but also i still think it makes ripples in a in a sort of a positive way i still yeah. think there are the john deers of the world there's all kinds of other companies that don't have anything near this friendly for like let's say you're a farmer and you want to repair your tractor like even if it's only the top three most replaced parts that's better than nothing yeah so we're still going to want to see those ripples through the industry for other companies to actually take a bit more of a positive stance on right to repair even just in our own tech industry like we're seeing all the more and more gadgets getting smaller and smarter smaller and harder and harder to repair and harder and harder to find things because they're realizing that apple's done this so well makes so much money off of it they like to do what Apple does yeah. and it works. So seeing Apple go this way, it's going to make a lot of other tech, tech companies go this same way. Yeah. So that's awesome. The, uh, the note in the newsroom thing I want to hit one last time is they've said that this program will be expanding to more than just cameras, batteries, and screens. Mm -hmm. They haven't provided any details on what more things that will be. Maybe it will be ports yeah. and camera or face ID or maybe not. I don't know. And the other thing that we don't know because it's not anywhere in the article is what qualifications will there be to get these parts and what will the prices be? Prices are huge, I think, and and what the um, rebate or credits are when you return it as that well. Too. Yeah. So that we'll have to see. I mean, we'll get the details early next year when they like start the program. 
I'm hoping it's not ridiculous prices. There's already memes on Twitter about like, oh, you'd like oh, to repair shit. it yourself. That'll be like a hundred dollars a pop. Like it should be ideally reasonable. Yeah. Um, but we all know how expensive it is to repair like a to go to the Apple store and get a new screen. If you don't have Apple Care, it's it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All that is yet to be seen, but hey, it's a positive right to repair Apple headline. Who would have thought? Who, who would have thought? That's not on my 2021. Um, yeah, my bingo card yeah, did no. not have that on on the, the square. Well, I'll, I'll leave that. We'll go to a break on a happy note there. That's a pretty yeah, solid yeah, yeah. spot to take a quick break. Enjoy. So we'll take a quick, quick break. We'll come back. We got to talk EVs. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, we're back. We're Welcome to, welcome to the car section of the episode. We have a yes. bunch of random stuff in the ether that all happen to be related to cars in some way. Yeah. But I think they're all really interesting. So, they're all like kind of fun. These yeah, are let's, fun, let's go through them. You'll understand headlines. why yeah. we're talking about these. They're all talking to tech stuffs. But uh, first up, Lucid Air becomes Motor Trend's car of the year. Okay, cool. Now, I think uh, we've had a, there's a large variety of cars that have won car of the year from Motor Trend. Like yes. I'm not, this doesn't, shock me but it is interesting for sure that uh that this particular one won i think tesla model s won a couple years ago it in has one of its won, early years and i think there was one other ev that won mm-hmm. um i mean listen i don't follow motor trend that much 
from after this happened, there's a lot of people saying that they haven't made some of the best choices in the past. Mo oh, yes. Motor Trend in general. But like, yes. this is just one where the Lucid Air, in both of our eyes, as far as I know, has just kind of been... We've been wondering, is this a fair day or yeah. is this an actual real thing that's going to come to market? So to me, we I did a video on the Lucid yeah. Air riding in it, very close to fully functioning prototype. I think like air conditioning didn't work, which was like yeah, kind of annoying. We were the first people to do that. This was yeah. like, I was on the job for like four months and we went over and did that and I was so amped. It was, it was super so cool. cool. Yeah. So we've seen the rolling Lucid Air happen many years ago, right? Yeah. And I this has happened before where companies are like, hey, Marquez, come back, check out our factory. Hey, Marquez, come back, check out like this new update to our interiors. And I'm like, I've seen the car, I've covered the basic idea, please start shipping them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to see if they can actually deliver on a couple really key things, which include 500 plus, 520 miles of range. Yeah. Now, okay, I saw that they had like an initial delivery event but that got me really amped because I was like, oh my God, there's really EVs out there in the wild today with 500 miles of range. Please somebody tell me there's like a video on YouTube or some test yeah. or something where I can go watch that happen. Haven't seen them yet. I'm going to keep looking. But uh, I would really like to see like somebody go do the road trip test or like actually get the 500 miles of range because that mm -hmm. if that's real, that no one's talking about it enough. That's a is, huge deal. If it only gets 80% of that. It is still by far the best range out of yeah. any EV that's out there. It's like ast astronomical like range yeah. compared to everything else. You know, Plaid Plus got canceled and part of the reason why is it's like that car would have had like a, a 500 plus mile range also. And I think Elon had a quote on Twitter after it got canceled saying, you know what? 400 miles is enough. Like we just don't need yeah, more than we that. We ripped that apart. Yeah, and we're like, okay, but like if you could do 500, you would. People yeah. would buy it over the 400. Um, so the fact that Lucid is doing it, allegedly, I want to see it, but I think that would be super cool. Mm -hmm. So the Lucid Air is out there. I don't really honestly care who wins Motor Trend Car of the Year, but I think it's interesting that it's so brand new and barely shipping and we're giving it these awards. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, Motor Trend, you do you, but <laughs> I want to see more of them like in the I wild. I want to see them. I mean, it's something where I, I follow them on Twitter from the day that we went to visit them. And I remember like two years ago them tweeting and I was like, I forgot I followed these guys. Oh, yeah. This is just like, I think when we first went, their original release date was supposed to be 2019. Mm -hmm. We're now end of 2021. And I think I just cannot find somebody who has this as an owner, including in the Lucid Motors subreddit where people mm -hmm. are really excited about it. People have reservations for it. There's a whole thread that says who has theirs yet. There's probably like 50 comments. And the closest you can get to it is, I met somebody with VIN number 006 and they really love it. Mm. And that's the closest I can get to really seeing this thing in the wild. Interesting. So, yeah. And you know, I think a lot of the, the early delivery stuff from all these companies are probably like super fans or like employees and things mm -hmm. like that. So we don't know where those deliveries went, but, uh, I want to bring up two things. One, uh, Tesla Model S got a uh, motor trend car of the year also very early in its life cycle. Mm -hmm. I think it was like before range was proven to the public yet, probably very few deliveries as well. So I'm, I have actually no problem with it winning the award. I just think, well, I want to see more of these in the wild. Um, but number two, the Lucid Air seems awesome. It seems really good. It's it, very expensive. That should just it is. say that right off the top. It's but like $140,000. We, we've always kind of known that because like it yeah. was very they very specifically told us like that top end model with the bucket seats in the back that like yeah. that was like a luxury like 
rideshare car that it's wasn't really somewhere between that and like a Maybach. Yeah, like you want to be in the backseat of this yeah, when chauffeured. you own it. Exactly. Yeah. And for that, it is awesome. And for that, 160000 is probably not that crazy if you're looking Fair. towards like Bentleys and stuff like that. Yeah. With the the specs that this thing has, it, it's crazy. I think it's a good looking car. It kind of looks like a like updated Lincoln, which I don't love. Yeah. But, but again, fits colors. the trend. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some really, really cool things. 1,111 horsepower, 1,390 pound foot of torque. Like, that's imagine a Maybach crazy. with a thousand horsepower. What? Uh, that's uh, there's just like some really, really crazy numbers about this. And my issue with it winning, though, is like, I get that they're trying to do things that are like breaking trends or like these big new things in the category. We are starting to see Rivian be delivered right now and oh. to me rivian like hits this a little better oh, and it yeah, wasn't even could, in the finalist yeah yeah i think if lucid actually does is delivering and delivers a little more like it could have been next year's where rivian seems a couple steps ahead right and is also this pickup truck that's coming out yeah ev really really cool great features. stuff on it like i'm i'm somewhere between giving them credit for not being faraday and just like never delivering anything and wanting to see more, like maybe, I mean, Rivian's also barely starting deliveries, but just a little bit more. I want to see them in public hands, YouTube tests, yeah. kind of like we see like maybe Plaid Model S is like barely out now mm -hmm. to that level maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of stuck in between them, but at the end of the day, I would love to drive like a finished version. I'm excited for Lucid, and I think why I've always been so excited for Lucid is because when I started was right when you got back from CES where you test drove the Faraday and mm -hmm. it was like the completely gutted interior, you know, right. like absolutely nothing. And then we directly went to Lucid where it was like, wow, they're so far ahead of Faraday here. Mm -hmm. And it felt so much more promising and it felt like something that was right around the corner. And now yeah. we're four years later and yeah, they're waiting. Yeah. Been so waiting. I hope this doesn't sound mean against Lucid. I'm really excited to try yeah. it, but it just felt weird. I think there's more... Rimax in the wild, probably, right? If we're talking about that guy saying VIN number 006, uh -huh. I can um, almost imagine there's more Rimax out in the wild. So That's, technically, so the Rimac Concept 1 had, I think, let me look it, it up. Like it was a single-digit number. I thought it was double-digit, but in the teens. Uh, they made... Didn't Hammond crash like the one of 18th? Them. The what? He crashed one. Wait, oh, oh one of them. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the Rimac Concept One, they only ever made eight. Wow. Okay, I was six wrong. Have so been then sold. I'm probably wrong about that. Six have been sold. Uh huh. The one that wasn't sold is the one we, we drove, drove. Yeah. And the eighth one is the one that was crashed. Okay. So there is only, uh, yeah, only eight ever made. Uh, and then the Concept Two or the Nevera. That's gonna be like eighteen, right, or something? Yeah. And I don't. I don't believe there's any deliveries yet but they're no, doing no, a no, lot of tours expecting. with it and it's yeah. coming soon <laughs> nevertheless not a that lot that was a pure yeah i thought not i was being smart i mean like <laughs> i the closest i've seen is vin number 006 so right. there could actually be more concept ones out there okay. but All i right. feel like there's probably more lucids out there and we just haven't seen them i think uh john redinger said he's on a reserve list he's, he's in list. california and they've been getting them sooner because it's a California-based company. So hey, if you're listening to this or if you're watching this and you have one, please get in touch. Please get in touch. All right. We also want to talk about uh, another kind of quirky story with the Mustang Mach-E GT. Mm -hmm. 
Spent a couple of days with it here, actually. I didn't have a ton of time to like really push it because it's just sort of driving it around, yeah. observing how new it feels. It is the fastest version of the Mustang Mach-E. Um, but there was an Edmunds review of the Mach-E GT that discovered that it is only able to ever put down five consecutive seconds of full power. Of full power, yeah. And so they discovered this because they're doing track tests on it. Yeah, versus the Model Y performance because right. similar size cars, both the like higher end sportier performance models right. of them. A lot of praise for the Mach-E like in general. Like it's a very yeah. well-selling car despite some weird quality control issues, which like every new car kind of has at this point, like better suspension by a lot of people's standards. I think it drives just as well, if not better than the performance Model Y. He, the, the guy in Edmund said the overall package until he discovered that felt like a way more cohesive track car right. than the Model Y. Now, it's a whole other debate about whether people buying these cars are taking them to tracks. It's, it's a crossover. It's it's whatever. Yeah. I don't even want to. It's fine. But five consecutive seconds of power was the limit according to Ford because they wanted to preserve battery life. Mm -hmm. How did they not build a button into the software that lets you disable Yeah, that? like track mode. Track takes mode. that away. Yeah, I don't care about preserving battery life if I'm on a track. Even Why? if you are a track, like if you're someone who brings it to the track, you are probably still only on the track at most 10% of the total time you're ever driving this car. And that's yeah. probably even being super conservative. Like it's not going to like vastly deteriorate this battery. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're saying if there's a big debate on how many people bring these to the track, I would argue more people bring the G this the Mustang Mach-E GT to a track, like you're probably buying this because you want to bring it to a track. Mustang already has the legacy, whether you want to put this in the Mustang family or not. I know that's super controversial. That's another debate. But if you are talking about a Mustang, so a car that is just known for performance and known sure. for people wanting to get the most performance out of it, Sports car. and then you also add a GT model, like this is meant for a track, this is meant to get the most power, and then you just cut it at yeah. five seconds, just feels like a... Slap yeah. in the face. It was odd. It was like they were driving it and they would come out of a straightaway and they'd get five seconds straight and then they would out of the next straightaway not have to power. Like turn part of, yeah, and they'd yeah. wonder why. And then they'd they'd wait a bit and then they'd give it full power again, but then on the next straightaway they'd have only like one second of power left out of the straight. And it was like, wh what is going on with this car? Yeah. So props to Edmund for like putting the car on a track and actually finding that. But yeah, Ford just confirmed like, oh yeah, we're just we're just doing that to save battery life. Yeah. Ford, if you're listening, you can push OTA updates to the Ford Mach E. I know you can. Just add a button for track mode so that you can not have your power nuked on this fun car you've made. That's my only advice. Um, I dug the yellow that they gave us. It was Kinda like a papaya. I, I I think it's McLaren orange, basically. I thought it was more yellow. I felt like it was more yellow. A little brighter, yeah. I think Adam will put something up on the screen. And sure. if I'm wrong, you better color correct it to look like <laughs> I'm right. It's a good looking car. I, <laughs> I kind of dug it. I liked it more than some of the other colors we've had. Because the GT also, they put like the black grill on the front. Even though it's plastic, it does look sportier. It's got a little more like fins. Just make it Mac. Matte, not Mac. Yeah, make it matte. Make it matte. That would have been nice. I mean, it, it's going to catch bugs It'll no matter really what. Nice. Yes. But it looks good. Cool. Maki GT is in the wild. By the way, random fun fact. I think I said this on the last episode. The Rivian is faster. That, the, the Rivian GT. is just actually what is the Maki GT? Is zero, zero to sixty in three point five? That's what the F one fifty does, right? The Rivian does in three point oh. What? Wait, it's how a truck. can Ford make 
Even going past that, how can Ford make an F-150 go 3.5 and not make the car that's probably half the weight? Good? Ford makes both, yeah. I guess they just put more power, bigger bigger motors in the F-150. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're not sport driving an F-150. It's just hilarious that it goes that fast. Now I want to put like F-150 motors in like the Mini Cooper EV and watch it just take like That's like the future explode. of, that's the future of mods, I think. <laughs> like before, because everyone would be like, oh, I have a custom built engine in this like sleeper chassis. Like you have no idea how fast this like 68 Mustang goes. Now it's like, yeah, I put quad motors and a huge <laughs> yeah. battery in, in the this EV. regular yeah. looking EV and it crushes. What was the Hummer EV zero to 60? Too fast. It if was also that it's thing 9, goes zero to 60 pounds. under 10 seconds, I think that's a safety hazard. That thing is- It's already a safety hazard. That, yeah. I honestly think that's going to cause more accidents than any other car. I just looked it up and it's quoted at three seconds flat. <laughs> it, I, that's faster than the Arch Audi e-tron RS GT. If I'm ever driving and I see a Hummer EV, I'm taking an alternate route. I need my ways to direct Get me to way. avoid Hummer EVs because no, at yeah. no point will I trust that thing, I, anyone driving that on the road. When they deliver that, I can't wait to see it on the road. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Okay, here's another weird, weird one. Yeah. Tesla Model 3s and Model Ys right now have been spotted being delivered without wireless charging or the USB-C ports, but not just like gone from the car. The cutouts for the ports <laughs> yeah. are still there. They're just delivering the car without the ports and they're blaming the chip shortage for not having the part ready yeah. yet and they'll yeah. retrofit it for free in the future, but they're not telling people. Yeah. They're just giving you the car. Hey, here's your car. Would you like to accept delivery? Uh, it's missing the USB ports. Which is like, I have a picture here in the doc, which Adam can put on the thing, but it's like, it's a USB-C port. It's small. No one's like peering into it to make sure the actual connector's there. Like, I'm sure people, I would not doubt if there are people who have this car that have their their phone plugged in like right they have now. no idea. And like not paying attention and wondering uh, like, oh, I must have not connected it all the way after my drive. And I mean, wireless charging not working. I think that's one of my favorite features of the car. It just sits right yeah. up in the front where the GPS would be and it just wireless charges the phone. So that's how the first big post I saw about this happened was somebody had it on the wireless charging mat. And I mean, like we're at the point where most people throw it down on wireless charger and don't really look to see if it's charging and then they'll notice later. So the guy in the post noticed that, noticed it again, and then went to go plug it in. And I'm assuming just didn't feel the snap or anything and then realized it was just straight up missing it. Yeah. And then when they went to their Tesla service center, the people there said that they will retrofit it in December, it will be free. But the fact that he had to go back to a service center to guess that, and then there's a ton of comments in that Reddit thread and there's multiple people reporting this that they're just, and like, sure, there is a chip shortage. It just seems insane to me to one, even deliver these and to two, not say anything. Yeah. If I was Tesla, like, okay, put yourself in their shoes. I don't think you stop delivering the cars, but you have to tell people. I think the least. best way they could have done it while still delivering is, hey, you know, we're having an issue with the chip shortage. You can still take your delivery now. You can wait to take your delivery later. If you do take it now, free supercharging for three months and we'll retrofit it in December. Well, here's the thing about, you know, keeping cars around, they don't have a lot of space. Like they're mm -hmm. building cars as fast as they can and they're flying off the shelves or however you want to phrase it. And so if they offer people the option to refuse delivery because of it, which I guess they do, they're just going to sell the car to someone else who will take it without the ports. So they're just like, 
they're just making the car without the ports and it's like, here, do you want it? Yes or no? And if you say yes, here you go. We'll retrofit it later. If you say no, someone else will probably take it without the ports. It's really hard to get these right now. It's but tell people, tell, tell people that they don't have the ports. Tell them. I, yeah. So obvious. I just can't like, I know Tesla, Tesla gets a lot of, a lot of flack for a lot of things that happens and they clearly like people try and make stories out of things and usually they're blown up. This one feels kind of like the opposite where I'm just, I can't imagine a legacy car manufacturer doing this and not having like, what is going on? You're the like, yeah, a lot of weird quirks. I think if the F-150 came out with this, people would go bananas. It's really, it's, it's like a, yeah, no, I, it's it's weird. It's, it's a really weird, strange, yeah. weird issue. It's I feel like you got to at least offer like a little something. Yeah, Tesla's Tesla's also been one of the companies that's like been somewhat unaffected by these shortages. Like they seem to be delivering cars just fine. Like there's lots of cars that need chips that are just like, oh, we can't make as many Hyundai Elantras as we thought we could this yeah. year. They all need the same chip, and there's a million of them. Yeah. So Tesla's been like sort of cruising along, seemingly unaffected, but it's like this is a big deal. Like ports, simple things, yeah. hard to get. So that was a sort of a wacky story. But yeah, hopefully if you if you have a Model 3 or Model Y, pull over and check out whether your ports work or not. And if they don't, definitely uh, definitely get in touch with your service center yeah, to get those ports. for sure. Okay, I guess uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We got some new EV announcements to go over. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hear that? 
Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Okay, so that's that's some of the weirdest stories. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some new EV announcements that yeah. have come out. There's one from, let's see. Subaru. Subaru and Nissan. Which one do you want to yeah, do so, first? So both of them are like, their cars have been announced, but we didn't see much of them. These are like almost the full announcements for it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to pick Subaru. Let's um, talk Subaru. I'm a little Subaru fanboy, so bias warning. Although, um, 2023 Subaru Solterra. Yeah. SUV. You uh, like it? Like crossover-ish. To be honest, I think it looks... Do I like it? Man, you really just are asking the, the hard question right off the bat. I don't think I can just say yes or no on this. Interesting. What do you want to say? So like right off the bat, do you like it? Normally means design, right? Yeah. Do I like how this looks? It's fine. It's fine. And um, then and then you got to look at like specs and price. Yeah. So the design, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It's okay. like pretty typical. I feel like the Crosstrek and the Impreza has kind of been going this a little harder line route. Um, my biggest complaint about it is I've always loved how much of a hatchback you get with like an Impreza or a Crosstrek as it goes all the way to the trunk of the car where this has that really, really hard slant kind of like a Honda Cross Tour, I think it's called. Right. Don't love that. I think you're kind of losing space. Um, I wish it were a tad bigger, but again, I don't hate it. There's some design things that aren't my favorite, but I kind of think the color was kind of weird. They announced it. And also I think maybe in a black or a gray or a white, it might look a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's it's fine. I don't, yeah, yeah, it's there. It's not a head turner. So then then the specs, we've got a starting price of 37,000. Wait, 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 where do you see that? Did I write that? Oh, I have that on car and driver. 2023 Subaru Soterra starting at 37000 Wait, what? Hold on, hold on. This is, I did not have a price in here, and oh, really? I have a lot of price speculation, and uh, is this real? This is estimated? Wait, hold on. That it says feels... EST. Let me let me see what they mean by EST. So they think it'll start in the high 30000s. This is not official from Subaru. Okay, okay. Subaru hasn't announced pricing yet. Okay, so let's <laughs> so go with my that. My heart's fluttering Let's here go with that. No pricing, okay. but estimated somewhere in the high 30s. There's but the a... spec we know is range, right? Let's, yeah, let's talk range. Let's talk specs first, and then I, pricing, I think I have like a lot of thoughts on. Okay, let's do, let's um, do that then. Okay, so yeah. Range, I've been super pessimistic about it. I think in a previous episode, I guessed 240 miles, and I even thought that may have been on the high side. Instead, we have a single motor and a dual motor. The single motor has 329 miles of range, and the dual motor has 286 miles of range. Now, just to be clear here, this is WLTC standard, which is a standard in Japan, Mm -hmm. and generally is a little overrated versus an EPA rating. So the EPA rating will probably knock that down a bit. Mm. But we're still talking at least 300 miles of range okay. on the, the on higher the single version, motor, on the single motor Like version. lower performance. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. which blew, blew my expectations out of the water. I mean, we've seen way too many legacy car manufacturers come in, make an EV with a abysmal range uh, i often will i usually will see here's a new ev it's available now it has 210 miles of range mm-hmm. or i'll say i'll see 
here's a new EV. It'll have 315 miles of range. It's coming out in 2024, which is like, oh, that's a good number, but it's going to be three years too late, which is when we'll all expect even higher numbers. Yeah. So to have a new Solterra assumingly coming out somewhat soon and with 300 miles of range is pretty good. I'm very, very excited for that. I think that's awesome, awesome. Um, Let's see. It says it supports DC fast charging up to 150 kilowatts. They didn't say about how long it would take to charge your battery, but we're lucky here. And this is built on the same platform as the BZ4X, which is from Toyota because they partnered with this. Got it. They look very similar. BZ4X and Toyota claim that will charge 30 minutes to 80% capacity. So, I mean, we're looking at pretty standard About a 70 charging. kilowatt hour battery. If, if you know, sure. the network actually turns on. So that's always something you have that's to think a about. That's question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have Subaru talking about their X mode, which is a pretty standard company-wide thing. It's an all-wheel drive control system. And, you know, Subaru is known for their all-wheel drive. Well, that'll only be in the dual motor the one. All, I'm assuming so. I mean, right. it didn't specifically say that, but I can only imagine. Okay. Um, so when it comes to, I have like two main gripes or questions, I guess, that aren't answered quite here. Um, Number one is price. If we're pricing this out, $40,000 feels like kind of the sweet spot of now that we're seeing the Model 3 creep up in price to like $46,000. If we're talking about a car kind of similar to it, I think the Solterra is a little bigger, clearly does not have the performance that the Model 3 does, but $6,000 cheaper and most likely we'll have the tax break because it's a new company doing EVs. That seems pretty awesome and similar range. I mean, like the main thing we're talking here is range, right? Yeah, when we're comparing, range. I think 40,000 could get quite a few people to make the choice if they're between a Model 3 and a Solterra. Okay. If some, the thing is, is like Subaru is very well priced for a lot of their cars. Um, at, at least I think so. And I do think a lot of people think so. I bought my Impreza in 2013 for 21, all wheel drive, great car. Cross checks and forcers and stuff kind of start around like twenty six, which is great, great pricing. So forty thousand is a big jump there. If this could somehow be at thirty five thousand, I I'll buy it. I will one hundred percent buy it. 35. If this is at thirty five thousand, thirty five, you're in. I don't think it will. Well, that would be the starting base price, probably at best. Yes, and I kind of have wonder price wise on which model will be which, but um, mm. I'm worried though that this will be closer to like forty five, and then I think it's. They will only get sales for Subaru fans. You are not going to have the person right. going to it over the Model 3 when you're at the same price. Yeah, and maybe this is people cross-shopping. I don't know if it'll be Model 3 or Model Y more. I guess crossover is Model, Model Y, which is a little more pricey. But when you're yeah. at the same price as Model Y, you have to offer somewhat the same stuff to be considered. Mm-hmm. If you're priced above Model Y, you have to be better at something, yeah. which seems like just the Subaru things and being a Subaru and having like maybe more range or sorry, maybe more storage or a cross track type yeah. features. Model Y. Well, the hard thing is if you compare it to model Y, cause it's a crossover, this is like a weird, this feels like the, at least by the pictures, I haven't seen full size, but it looks like the lower end of like a size of a crossover. Mm. Whereas like model Y feels like it's closer to like compact SUV. And it's this really, really confusing, but model Y is, 58 starting, I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, I no way Solterra's that. So, I like okay. kind of want to compare it to Model 3 more, but yeah, you do get some more room probably than a Model 3. Yeah. It's in a weird spot. It's but a if really you undercut, weird spot. If you undercut it, you just got to do a couple things as well. Obviously, yes, it doesn't have correct. the supercharger network, mm-hmm. but that's an advantage that they can take advantage of. If you are cross shopping Model Y and Solterra, I think Solterra is going to have a great chance 
even at 45 to, you know, if you are not a Tesla fan or you're not a Subaru fan, you are just looking for an EV around yeah. that size. I think it will split it pretty well, which is all, all companies need to do now is split the price, split yeah. the difference for Tesla to that. Um, if you're looking for a Model 3 or Solterra, I think the Solterra has to be 35 to 40 to really sway the Model 3 buyer over okay. to that for saving enough money. Let's let's make a bet. Over, under? Would you take over or under? Or sorry, would you guess that the Solterra's announced price for the base model will mm -hmm. be over or under 39? Over. Okay. I'll take that bet. You'll go under. I'm hoping I'm wrong, or I'm hoping I'm right, and it is under. But I don't now, know. see if we really <laughs> want to make this bet interesting. If I win, you buy me a Solterra, <laughs> and if I lose, I'll buy myself a Solterra because okay. that sounds like a good. That price. sounds like a good bet. I don't know if I'm going to agree to it <laughs> no, right now, don't, but don't. it's a solid bet. <laughs> um, but so now my next big thing kind of loops into pricing, and that is, I'm confused at what is going to be the more expensive version of this. What is going to be the base? Because in single every motor. single EV, range is like the number one priority, right? Yep. Now, Subaru is known for all-wheel drive. Their thing is that essentially every car comes with all-wheel drive, super great price point for it. Mm -hmm. You go to Colorado and like 90% of the cars in the shopping the shopping mall parking lot are going to be a Subaru because of the all-wheel drive. Yeah, driving in snow, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you are now buying a Subaru EV, what is your choice? Are you prioritizing all-wheel drive or are you prioritizing range? Because the all-wheel drive is about 50 miles less range, according to WLTC standard. The single motor will be cheaper. The single okay. motor with longer range will be cheaper, and the extra motor, which costs a lot more, which has better performance but has all-wheel drive, will be more expensive despite lower range. Real quick, what you're saying is correct, but like the the single motor has a higher horsepower per motor. Whereas the oh, yeah. dual motor, yeah, there's they are technically each motor is less performance, right. but, but total is larger. Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. Just oh, yeah, clarifying. definitely. I believe that that base model will be the single motor front wheel drive with a longer range because that gets you longer yep. range. The all wheel drive one will cost more. It will have better performance because of the higher overall power yeah. and all wheel drive, but it will have slightly less range. Interesting. Um, Man, if the if single motor could be thirty five and dual motor could be forty, that would be really awesome. Yeah. Also, dual motor performance though is not going to be anything close to a Model Three. No, no, no. no. Uh, like we're all, I think, I hope we're all on the same page that we're not comparing yeah. it like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm excited. Well, the other you one that I'm less excited about, but it exists, I, so I'm happy about it. I think it's important still. Yeah. Is Nissan's upcoming electric SUV? Mm -hmm. So Nissan is able to claim that they are a leader in the EV space because of how long the Leaf has been around. Sure, Correct. I'll give you that. So now in 2023, they're going to drop what's called the Aria, A-R-I-Y-A. It'll start at 47, and it will have, did they say the range? It, you can see the pictures, miles. about 300 miles of yeah. range. So yeah, 300 miles of range for 47K. You can go up in performance and also up in price. There's a 60K option yeah. with 265 miles of range, but a little more power. It looks f uh, fine. Okay, <laughs> if you are already buying a Nissan Rogue, this this looks like a Nissan. It you looks know like what Nissan. this looks like. It looks like an EV Nissan, which sure. is fine. It's I don't like it. You've brought up a uh, pricing of Subarus in the past. This is an expensive Nissan. 60K for a Nissan is, is a big ask. Yeah, can I look up what a Nissan Rogue is? Sure. Yeah, like a Nissan Rogue starts at 26. Yeah. And I am I believe, 
I just want to make sure I'm on the um, the Murano is 32, the Rogue is 26. It's not is or 24 to 26. Like there's not a lot of brand new sixty thousand dollar Nissans, yeah, and this so will start at forty seven, which is you know still pretty premium for a Nissan. Yeah, the Leaf. If I talk about the Leaf anymore, I'll uh, get sad. But mm. like they did, they did hop on that early, and lots of people have Leafs because they don't have long commutes. It had like a hundred mile range at best, and it was like, all right, you can drive this as your commuter car back and forth, and like have a totally good time, never pay for gas again. Great. But when we talk about like the inspiring like let's replace every car on the road with an electric version. Mm-hmm. You need a couple more versions than just a Leaf. So yeah. this is something else. I d- they're accepting deposits. I don't know if this is going to start getting cross-shopped with Model Y. It's 47, so I it's think, cheaper. Yeah, there are two main things I have out of this. One's good, one's makes no sense. Okay. 47,000 for this. Buy pictures, this looks bigger than like a Solterra, so I think this is a direct competitor yeah, to the Model SUV. Y. Yeah. 300 miles of range is also meant at $10,000 cheaper. There's def- they're going to sway some people. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Again, really happy that we see another 300 mile range. I'm so glad we're actually seeing these legacy car manufacturers like yeah. putting real miles on their range. The thing I don't get is who on earth wants a performance Nissan Rogue EV, essentially. I don't get why you'd spend an extra like 15K yeah. get the performance version of it. Interesting. This. It doesn't look like a sporty car. It doesn't look like something that you're going to go drag race or even just like, I guess that's I the know. thing about EVs is they all naturally are able to offer performance yeah. and instant torque. And like the base who, model will have that. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> like enough for yeah. what you need. So in main, in normal everyday driving, like this EV thing, the best thing about it is merging onto a highway. Like yeah. you don't feel stuck. Yeah. But the base model will have that. Like it'll feel better than a regular Nissan Rogue, which I, by the way, if you haven't noticed, I'm comparing the Rogue to this thing because they look very similar. Mm-hmm. I just don't get why you'd pay an extra 15,000 for this like performance version of this. There's a lot of questions that we didn't think had, a, there were like solutions without a problem. Like who wants a crossover Mustang EV? But here we are. And like, yeah. I, this might be another one of those where we're like looking over the obvious answer of like, oh yeah, I've always wanted like a faster, like I love my Nissan and I love this, the UI for some reason, but I really wanted an EV version with more storage. Like here we are. Yeah. I don't know. There, it could be a real There thing. are Nissans that people mod and like to do stuff. It's just, <laughs> as far as I know, it's not the Rogue. It's if a you smaller have a, group. If you have a modded Nissan Rogue, show, send us some videos or pictures more of it because I'd love to, to see it, but I'm. I'm not really sure that those really exist. But, like, you know, good point here. $10,000 cheaper than a Model Y for the people who don't care about the Model Y performance and who are are able to, you know, not have to use the Tesla supercharging network. $10,000 is a big, big price jump, price difference. So Yeah, so we'll see. It's a next-year car. So that's that's it for EVs. Thanks for sticking along <laughs> with our rambling. I, th- I thought all of those were pretty fun, pretty interesting, or Wave even form. pretty important. Yeah. The EV podcast. Exactly. <laughs> wave. Can we label this one where the VE and Wave is switch oh, the EV? Yeah, oh, switch okay. the EV. Now it's the Waveform we'll podcast. Do it. The yeah. Waveform podcast. We can do that for April Fools or something. But um, <laughs> I just have like one PSA I want to end this on. Every year we talk about Black Friday a little bit, but we always talk about it on Friday where it's too late. So we're just going to do our little PSA if we're looking forward to anything. But like, I think the main thing I always tell people on Black Friday is go into it with a plan. We all are tech heads here. We all want to get tech cheaper. We all know tech gets cheaper on Black Friday. But stop going on Amazon or Best Buy and just like 
buying things because they're on sale. Mm -hmm. Do your research, pick something that you really want, hope that that goes on sale, buy it on sale. Yeah, going to whatever retailer and buying what's on sale is how it's designed for you. Yes. You should go in with your own plan and then buy things. Also, I'll give a little PSA. Uh, if you're holiday shopping, the chip shortage and supply shortages are very real. So if you are not yet getting stuff for gifts for family or whatever, think about that earlier than usual. As in, like, right, use your pride pause. As in, like, you should have already ordered. Too late. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it for my PSA. But, yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I actually, with a new house and stuff, I do have some. I, I'm ready for Black Friday. I haven't bought anything for a really long time, so you're going to be part of the like, like the crowd running for the TV section. When no, Best no, Buy no, opens? online. Okay, on my couch in my slippers under a blanket. I don't do this. I'm looking for a new gaming monitor because I haven't upgraded since probably Black Friday, like five years ago. Okay. Really excited about that. I was ready to look for the Logitech G Pro Super Light, but now they just came out with the Logitech. G303 wireless, which I ordered already. That's that the collab with Shroud. Shroud. Right? I'm so excited. That was like my favorite. That was my first gaming mouse. I had two or three of them. Then they discontinued them, and I was very, very sad. Whatever. That won't come up. And just like some smart home stuff. There's this really good TP, uh, like smart switches. Hopefully those will go on sale. They're not too expensive, but when you're buying them for the majority of your house, it adds up. You want to add a bunch, quickly. yeah. And like, I mean, you should probably be looking at these too. Like all the ego electric house tools, like leaf blower, weed whacker, all that stuff. If that went on sale, I'm yeah. I'm buying that up. Yeah, they ASAP. Look good. Sick. I'm excited. All right, get your uh, get your retail on, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Waveform. It's been a fun time. Make sure to watch that right to repair video when it's out if you haven't seen it already. But that's been it. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media and our intro outro music was created by Vane Silk.